Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Then Gen Gamers podcast. Uh, today, actually, we're not going to have a new podcast per se, uh, but what we are going to do is uh, replay the very first Then Gen Gamers podcast uh, in honor of this being our one year anniversary. Um, I can't actually believe it has already been a year. Uh, we've had such a good time uh, just being able to sit there and, and talk about the things that we love uh, with some really cool, uh, interesting people, uh, some of which we knew very well, some of which we didn't. Uh, but overall, and I'm, I'm speaking, I'm doing this by myself, so I'm actually speaking on behalf of, of everyone here, I believe, I hope. Um, although I'm sure that Jason will get on the forums and, you know, flame everybody. But it is, it's, it's just been one heck of a ride. And uh, like I said... It's been very fortunate that we've been able to continue on as long as we have just every week uh, sitting down and hanging out with really cool people and just literally just talking about the things that we love. Um, I guess... I guess I'll have to I'll start this off with a little bit of business. Um, I have to say something about a, a PS4 uh, that you all uh, have been kind of in, in the search for. And I will say that it has found religion. Regardless of if that's human religion... I don't know. I'm not really one to judge. Personally, I don't really get into it. But uh, the PS4 has, has definitely uh, come into its own and, and found some <laughs> a god to believe in, for sure. Um, as far as that contest is concerned, uh, all the information that you would need is on the website on the left hand side there is a ps4 contest link uh, if you click on that it will bring you to uh, the rules page which also has a link to a form which can be filled out um, as an entry form um, there's only one entry per person per week uh, so you know, use it wisely. We've been giving out clues uh, for, for for literally months now on these um, podcasts. Hopefully, someone can put enough together uh, to actually give us our specific location, and and that's basically what we're looking for: a specific location within video land, um, these virtual worlds. Uh, to which I have actually hidden a PS4. And the first person to actually come up with the correct location uh, will win it, uh, win the PS4, and we will ship it right out to them. And um, so good luck to everyone with that. S getting back to the task at hand, uh, this is our very first podcast um i believe this was me jason and brendan um one year ago and uh everything was completely different back then um we were <clears throat> while the location was technically different uh, as far as where we actually did the recording um, it was still within the same buildings, still within the same structure. So, um, 
it wasn't really that much of a stretch, but uh, we didn't have the mics that we now have. Uh, we actually used one um, omnidirectional mic as opposed to the um, multiple lavalier mics that we use now, uh, which work out far, far better in my opinion. We basically talked about uh, our favorite NES games. Um, I think we all grew up, uh, as far as me, Brendan, uh, Jason, a lot of our friends, just kind of grew up, and that was our coming of age. We grew up with the Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, so it made a logical starting point for us when we came up with the idea for a podcast. And uh, everything... Uh, now, again, it's been a year, and it's been a while since I've actually heard it, but I remember it going actually quite well and uh, having having an absolute blast uh, when actually recording. Uh, so, without further ado, I give you the very first Then uh, Gen Gamers podcast. Enjoy. My name is Adrian Negro, and we're here to wax nostalgic about games that you barely remember playing as a child. Um, today, we'll be talking about our top NES games of all time, uh, classic arcade cabinets, and uh, we'll actually dive into and try to figure out maybe uh, something about the Zelda timeline, uh, although... I don't know how far we can actually get into that. Um, today I'm joined by Brendan O'Shea. Hello. And as always, my brother, Jay, who's <coughs> running the controls. Um, so let's just dive right in. And uh, start with really the top five NES games. Now I'll tell you, I had... A little bit of a problem uh, meeting out criteria for this. I had to decide whether I wanted to go with impactful games, uh, games that I felt uh, made a difference in my life, or just plain good games. Uh, I went with the latter, uh, realizing that you can't put Mickey Mouse capades on a greatest ever list. <laughs> And have anyone take you seriously? <laughs> did you find Did you find that game impactful on your, on your youth as a gamer? <laughs> Absolutely, and I don't think I ever grew up more than, um, you know, Mickey watching. <laughs> yes, watching Mickey Mouse uh, futilely try to hit a walking chair with a star. Um, and how that fit into the Disney universe and anything you've ever seen in it. Yeah, it was. It, it, it's a real crappy game. We can all, I think, agree on that. And uh, although a game, I would say that did have a big impact on me, um, that I wasn't able to put in the top five, was a game like Deadly Towers, which I think is a genuinely good game, just not on that level of best ever. But it happens to be a game that I played a lot when I was little, and therefore, um, when I think of certain types of games that kind of harken back to that all the time. I don't get the whole Deadly Towers. I mean, I know I'm in the minority because I know it's considered one of the best NES games, but I never I never saw the appeal of that game. <laughs> well, the game the, the game was incredibly <coughs> difficult for its time, and it didn't give you a ton of explanations, and you could fall <coughs> into weird dungeon alternate dimensions at any point. 
true. I never know how to get back to them because apparently in the Deadly Towers universe, there was no such thing as like a doorway, like a or like a staircase. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with it, I mean, while the key to the whole game was the exploration, that's that's what made it so good. Um, one of its biggest problems was that you could not see where the entrances to these labyrinths were, and they were basically mazes, so you would get lost for large chunks of time. Uh, while you tried to map out on like graph paper. Yeah, much much graph paper wasted. Many trees dead. Many trees dead because of the dungeon design and deadly towers. Thank you very much. What was the company that made that game? Was it was it a Data East game? Uh, to, to be honest, I do not remember. Come on, man! Somebody has a smartphone in the room. Just look it up. I'll look it up. But Does I mean, it really I, matter? Is it, that really relevant? I think we can really uh, just go ahead and. And kind of uh, go right ahead with our top five. Does everybody kind of have an idea of, of where they're going here? I have, I have an idea of my top five NES games of all time. All right, well then, have at it. Let's tear it apart. All right, do I need to give them in a, in a specific order? Uh, that's really up to you. All right, well, we'll say starting with five, I'd say Contra by Konami. That introduced... It was the first time you ever heard of the Konami code or ever really utilized it. I still don't think I've ever beaten the game without it. Uh, yeah, that's quite a task, actually. Uh, the next the next game down, I'd probably go with... With number four would be uh, Super Mario Bros. 3. That it was it was the evolution of... I mean, Super Mario Bros. 1 really belongs on the list. If you want to go for the innovation and, you know, idea... Right. something What different. video games eventually... Or platforming video games became in that era even well into this one but super mario brothers 3 is a game i spent tons of hours playing until i figured out there were warp whistles and i didn't have to spend tons of hours playing it and should've the wizard the, should have watched the wizard i did watch I, I, I did watch the wizard but i don't think i saw it until after that's all that movie's worth it well it's just well, one gigantic it, it was just it was just one gigantic million dollar nintendo of america advertisement and i i saw the wizard but i didn't see it till after Till after I had played Super Mario Brothers three, at least that's what I recall. It also tried to advertise the Power Glove less effectively. So anyway, continue. I love the Power Glove. It's so bad. What does it do? It's a controller it's kind of, on your arm. Yeah, so you, you can just play games with one hand. Well, the the concept it was like a revolutionary concept. It was pretty much what the Wii Remote is now. It just didn't work. That's what it. That's what it was supposed to do, but it didn't do that. It just never worked correctly. Because I remember, like, the whole thing was, like, you could hold your hand out, like, you're holding a steering wheel, and you should be able to, like, guide yeah, the, that, the car in Rad Racer. Rad Racer is not my number three. My number three is Ninja Gaiden by Tecmo. Mm. Yeah, that's great. The controller-throwing extravaganza that is that game. It's one do, of the most... It has one of... It does have one of the best soundtracks of that era. That was... I mean, that came, that game came out in 1990, right? No, so, the first one was like 88, I think. No, well, that's the arcade version. The one where, remember, if, like, if you died, you, they put they put Ryu on the, the gurney and they had the, the saw coming down to cut him in half. <laughs> or sometimes he'd be put in front. Like, they just have a stack of, like, an old-timey bomb dynamite with a timer and he's trying to blow the, the wick out. Why did they name him Ryu? Just to, like, confuse kids? Well, Ryu came, the Ninja Gaiden games, the Ninja Gaiden franchise came before. Are you sure street, about that? Before the Street Fighter Franchise? I'm almost positive. The first Street Fighter game was around in like 1984, I want to say. Street, uh, Fighting Street? What was <coughs> Fighting Street for the NEC TurboGrafx-16? No. The, the the original Street Fighter was an arcade game, wasn't it? Street Fighter, Street yeah. Fighter. Yeah, no, I mean, like, when it was ported, they renamed it. That oh. was the first time I ever came home. But, yeah, but I, I want to say that that game didn't come out until 1989. The first, the first Street Fighter. 1980. I know, I'm certain that 1987, 1988 is Ninja Gaiden, arcade Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. Which is entirely, it was a, it was a side-scrolling brawler. It's entirely different from the Ninja Gaiden that came to the NES system, which actually is a much better game. Yes. We'll have to get someone on this. Um, and considering we have nobody who works for us, that means that one of us will have to do it at some point. One of us is going to have to be guest host and intern all at one time. Yeah, pretty much. 
Well, so Ninja Gaiden would be my number three. I, I believe it's a really solid game. I've always loved it. I've always loved ninjas. That's the other thing. Uh, so onward to my number two game, that would be the Legend of Zelda, the original Legend of Zelda game. That's excellent. And I, I feel like that game's gonna end up on everybody's list. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you can't, you can't avoid it. I think Legend of Zelda and Mario Three has to be on everyone's list. Yeah, it's. I mean, those are the those are the pinnacle of what the NES system was. Uh, considering that I believe he is correct, and those are the pinnacle of uh, gaming achievement in the NES era, uh, it begs the question, what is your number one? That would be, I'm going to say it the correct way, the way I remember it as a child, before he had to smack up Robin Givens, <laughs> Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Like how you said, he uh, had to. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, never mind. Um... Mike Tyson's Punch Out, excellent game. Um, I don't know if it's better than Mario Three and uh, Zelda, though. Well, I mean, <laughs> one preference, but one problem that I have with it, and uh, it's actually in my top five too. Don't get me wrong. It's just that it's pattern based, so you can learn it and master it, and then it kind of loses all its appeal. Uh, over time, because once you understand all the patterns, you're just never going to lose again. Um, I don't know. I still have fun playing it now. Oh, I, yeah, I'm absolutely. Still, I've still never beat Mr. Tyson or, I'm doing air quotes, Mr. Dream. Yeah. Uh, White Tyson, Pale Tyson. Pale uh, Tyson. <laughs> White Tyson. No, it... It is still a, it's still a fun pick up and play game, uh, just to come, and uh, bring it bring it back every once in a while. Um, I know they tried to remake it a, f a few times. Uh, it wasn't quite the same, but uh, that that formula of game anyway is is never gonna be bad in my opinion. Uh, it's just again my only problem with it is that you get used to it and it actually gets easier the more you play it and i don't like not having that replayability all right so i guess we can move on to your top five games we'll just <coughs> counterclockwise on the table why don't we do adrian next <coughs> like his show that's fine i mean the majority of the games that have been mentioned are on my list um there are a few differences. I mean, I have SMB3. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I start off with SMB3. I have uh, The Legend of Zelda. Uh, one that I have that you did not have uh, is Mega Man 2. Yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, I think <laughs> Mega Man 1 is good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but Mega Man 2 really took everything to the next level and became like the prototypical Mega Man that you see through what countless iterations now, all the different types. Mm. Um, I mean, another thing to talk about about the Mega Man series, there never, there never was a next-gen a next gen Mega Man. I yeah, mean, there never has been. Yeah. I mean, they had, uh, what's it, uh, Zero? Mega Man the Legends. Mega Man X. Yeah, the Mega Man X series, but there hasn't been anything like, there's not a Wii Mega Man game. Yeah. yeah. I don't it, know why it never, it never made it to this generation of systems. It, it got as far as what? PlayStation 1. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't even understand why. Uh, it's a game that, again, you can just kind of uh, plug and play and just, you know. Actually, technically it did with Mega Man 9, but Mega Man 9 was just, oh, let's make an 8-bit game for the and Xbox made, Live Arcade. Man 10, too. Yeah, yeah they, for PlayStation. But they're 8-bit they're eight based games. They never got the ne next Yeah, they had that side like scroll. Metroid got probably. a technology overhaul, you know? Well, there was that, like, it was it was called, what, Mega Man Legends or something? It was yeah. kind of like a role-playing game. I didn't really uh, play it. I don't know anything really about it, but it, it did occur. Um, but Mega Man was always fun just to, like, see... Uh, how cheesy that these game designers could get with all the different guys that they would throw at you. Yeah. 
you know, and um, it started off pretty, pretty good, you know, Heat Man and Quick Man and, uh, you know, names that made sense. But before you knew it, you were fighting like Clown Man and, you know, uh, Alcoholic Man. And it was just like these weird, uh, they just couldn't think of names anymore. Who, who, who? Who did an alcoholic? Uh, I, I don't know. Des- I, weapons destroy temperance men? Uh, yeah. But, I mean, Getting back on his feet, man. <laughs> um, no, so I was a ver- I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Mega Man as far as in that uh, 2D side-scrolling series. And uh, being able to level select has always biased me. Uh, otherwise, I mean, my list continues with Ninja Gaiden and um, Punch Out, just like you said. And then we get to your number one. Oh, we I I started at the top. I'm sorry. I my number one is without question uh, SMB three, uh. and then Legend of Zelda, um, which in my opinion are interchangeable at the top. Uh, either one of those are just so great. Um, well, back to the back to the uh, Mega Man three. Just the difficulty curve. I mean, it's on par with Ninja Gaiden or Gaiden. Thank you, Angry. What Video Mega Man? Mega Man? Mega Man two. Is on par no. with Ninja. Diffic- no, it's difficulty? not. Difficulty? I don't no, know. I've always had problems with it. I have problems with it now. Is you need to play no. Ninja Gaiden some more. I'll play Ninja Ninja Gaiden plenty, friend. It, not, that I'm that game is it's hard. <laughs> it's it's very hard. Um, much harder than than any Mega Man, in my opinion. Which which Mega Man? Oh, Ninja Gaiden. Uh, Ninja Gaiden is is I think far more difficult, straight out of the box than any Mega Man. Oh, it's, I mean, it is you know just getting hit by birds and repetition, getting no- knocked mm-hmm. off cliffs. Uh, one one cool thing though about the Mega Man series too that you can, um, you can kind of increase the difficulty for yourself by saying things like, um, some of like self-imposed difficulty settings by only using the Mega Buster against bosses, things like that, which I which I find cool too, instead of uh, having the computer decide what the difficulty is you kind of decide that yourself because if you use the right weapons against the right uh bosses the the game's a snap it's like the trophy it's like the trophy challenge award system like yeah that idea prefaces that yeah except you have to be self-driven which you know people who are uh, 32 years old and playing Mega Man 2 probably aren't. Well, and you have to, yeah, uh, like, you know, nobody wants to see your, your notebook that you made with all your own, like, video game achievement awards. Yeah. That's not going to be getting you the, the ladies anytime soon when you, when you, when you whip that out at any given time. Like, I did this. Depends and by the way, of, I'm the only one who saw that I did. Depends so what kind of ladies you're going for, though. What type of ladies? Yeah. But it, even the nerd crowd's not impressed by that. Depends what type of nerd. Does depend on uh, what I guess this this is, is all different types. We do we do uh, we do have we do live in a world where the the packs the packs conventions some some women and possibly some men have been thrown out for uh, thrown out for wearing too few clothing. So what about you, Brendan? What do you have at the top of your list? Well, the top is definitely uh, Mario Three. Um, I mean, what can you say? Everyone knows Mario Three. It's one of the guess. It was a game changer. Um, and then I would say Zelda, like you. But I think Mario Three is a hard. I wouldn't put Zelda above it. That's your hard one. Yeah. Um, a game you guys didn't mention. I'm surprised. Castlevania. Uh, Castlevania. I do. I do love me some Castlevania, but yeah, <coughs> not enough to um, to put any of them that high. I also loved. Uh, Double Dragon a lot. Spent a lot of hours playing that game. Now, we're talking NES Double Dragon though. Yeah, it's not. Uh, what am, I, am I thinking Double Dragon Two? Which one am I thinking? 
One of them, one of them was really fun. Double Dragon Two is closer to the arcade Double Dragon than than Double Dragon One. Maybe I'm thinking Double Dragon. Yeah, Double Dra- Double Dragon One is its own game. You can't play two players. You yeah, know? yeah, I'm yeah. definitely not thinking that. I'm thinking Double Dragon Two. Um, yeah, I like Double Dragon Two a lot. Um, and a game that you guys probably won't agree with, but whatever. It's, to my, hell li- with it's us. my list. Um, Wizards and Warriors. I spent uh, a lot of time on that game. I love that game. The, your British is showing. Yeah, yes. Well, man, nothing, nothing, nothing beats a guy in full plate mail armor that can get serious air, and that dude could. I've always wondered about that. Especially if he grabbed that blue potion. Yeah, it's like, what? Did a wizard, is this? A, is this some sort of sorcery? I just want to know what the hell he's swinging that sword at. It's the most awkward attack, jostling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, he just—he definitely looks like he wants to turn his head and just be like, "Go away, go away, bad thing." I would—I would also put Mega Man Two up there. I mean, Mega Man Two is great, um, but there's only five spots. So, like I said, there's there's certain games that are gonna make every list. Also, Punch Out, I'd put up there. Um, Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden, it's just, I love to hate that game. Well, I hate to love it, I should say. Yeah. It's, so it's addic- it's addictive, but it's like, it's it's like heroin, like it's going. I like all three of those games. It's fun crazy. to do, but it's going to yeah. kill you, no matter what. <laughs> this, it's just so unforgiving, and, you know, you hit that game over screen, you're just like, I just wasted, and then you count back however long that you've been playing, and you just you just realize that like I have not learned anything in this period of time. And I have and I have and I have not moved from this one platform. This has just been happening yeah. over and over again. I this really, stupid bat has knocked me into this yeah. pit three hundred and fifty consecutive were times. Always like the outdoor stages, man. The eagles. Why do the Eagles hate him? Is it because he's not? I mean, he was wasn't he? He was an American national, right? Like, what's their problem? I I don't know. It was that, also like a, a witch or it was something that threw crosses at you, and it was it came in like the weirdest like pattern. Pattern. It it, it always hit you. If it, it, they were always at the edge of a cliff, so you're trying to jump onto the cliff, and they just always knocked you down into the off the side of the, the screen. But if we if we take the if we take the lists as we have them these 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 three lists, I mean we have Ninja Gaiden's on all of them. Yep. SMB3 is on all of them. Yep. Zelda's on all of them. Uh, Punch-Out and Punch-Out's on all of them. So I guess those are locked. Three games are locked, yes. So I guess what would we put as the definitive top 5? I guess I'd have to go with Mega Man 2. Yes. It has two extra votes beyond, yep. you know, my, my opinion on the game. I mean, I love the Mega Man games, but I was never as into them. As I know you were as a kid. That was like your, your yeah. jam. The Mega Man games. So I guess that's what we got, folks. We got, I guess we're going to say, that's from the bottom, Mega Man 2. Then Punch-Out. Then Ninja Gaiden. The Legend of Zelda. And Super Mario Brothers three, so those are the then gen gamers top five NES games of all time. So the so the people out there in then gen gamers Facebook land can complain about this when we post it. Oh yeah, we're gonna get crucified. Uh, I could just picture some people like, what about Karate Kid? No, Actually, one's, no one's gonna, no one's gonna, gonna do, no one's gonna say that. But what, what you know, like, what, I wanted to throw Tro- Trojan up there, but I knew I was gonna get a lambasting like I never have before for that game. Trojan, uh, not not a good game. Uh, what ki- what's not to love about a post-apocalyptic futuristic world where nobody has guns? I was waiting for one of you guys to say Zelda too, so I could go off the handle. How much I hate that game. Well, maybe, maybe on the next iteration of this podcast, we'll do the worst games of of games. Any- Brendan hates. It <laughs> just yeah. games. Brendan hates. There's a lot of hate that comes out of even like you even hate Ninja Gaiden, even though you put it in the top five. It's a good game. Yeah, but, I, mean, I mean, NES has some awful, awful games. The difficulty from that game stems not from poor game design. The game is just difficult. Yeah, you just need to be good at it. That's yeah. the problem. And, and when you're when you're seven, you're not really that great at anything. Yeah, when right? when games are difficult because they're just flawed. Uh, for example, Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> um, it's no longer fun. It's just frustrating. By you, Billy. The game's just broken. Yeah, it as far as I'm work. concerned, By you, Billy is 
just was never completed or never completed correctly. Something is wrong with that game. We need an Inquisition. <laughs> an Inquisition? 30, 30 years later. You need an inquiry, man. We inquiry, need, yes. Yeah, we don't need an Inquisition. I don't want to have to thumbscrew anybody who designed that game. I Let's mean, they... waterboard some people. Let's yeah, get yeah. some answers. <laughs> yeah. All right, but moving on to the next topic... I think I think that makes a good. Speaking of waterboarding, let's 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 segue into something else before things get out of hand. Moving moving from the bedroom into the arcade. Ah, so move, yes. You want to rephrase that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't say moving from the arcade into the bedroom. That sounds that sounds so much more pedophilic than what I said. Yep, you heard it. I used the word like pedophilic. So, this has happened to everyone in, in, in our little slice of heaven where we grew up on the North Shore of Massachusetts. There's this place called the Salem Willows, which is basically uh, the only arcade in the area, really. And you go there, and, you know, it's just all the buzzing and the lights and you just go around and you just look at the arcade cabinets and instantly decide this game's cool, this game sucks, all the way down the line, just based on what it looks like from the outside. That's really what we want to talk about. It's like these arcade cabinet designs, cool ones, you know, the, the differences. And I really feel like this falls into two different um, lines of thinking too because you have cabinets that are unique in the cabinet itself, like a game like Crossbow or Silent Scope or, you know, Daytona, Cruising Exotica. Um, and then there are games that are like regular games like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Street Fighter 2, where the cabinet artwork is pretty cool in and of itself. Um, so I really feel like this is also another thing that could kind of go either way. Yeah, no, it's one of those things. It's what what attracts your eye to it. What you know, because I mean, like walking in there as a kid, like Salem Willows in particular. Remembering that as a child, walking into that that arcade room, it's like you just get overwhelmed by when you're when you're ten. Just awesome. <laughs> it's everything's loud. Everything looks almost cartoony and surreal, you know. And they had a lot of pinball cabinets there too. That was the other thing. They still have those now. Like those yeah. are still there. A lot of the arcade games are gone. I'm very partial to to pinball cabinets. I think they are. Well, they're works. Like, they, they are works of art. Yeah, they are. Um, some of them are, are quite amazing. Um, and then some of them are just, you know, <laughs> cheap uh, chances to cash in on like who wants to be a millionaire or you know I smile at a fifth grader. Oh, there's, there's nothing. There's <laughs> nothing. Deal or no deal. There's <laughs> deal or no deal. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in the deal, I just hope in a deal or no deal cabinet, you can just shoot like those aluminum or whatever they're made. What are pinballs made of? Like they're basically just large ball bearings. Ball bearings. Yeah, I just like to, like to be able to just keep full speed shooting them at Howie Mandel's bald head. Like, why do you hate Howie Mandel so much? I just do. It's like my grandfather used to really hate Telly Savalas. Nobody knew why. You just don't like you him. Just hate a lot. You just have a lot of uh, hate for. Howie Mandel, huh? No, what does it stem from? I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because he like he never resolved anything in Bobby's world. I don't know. <laughs> like I feel like things could have went bad. well. Back to the arcade cabinets, and, and less less of my prejudices against Howie Mandel. Uh, I don't know which ones. I mean, like like a pinball machines. I always like the Twilight Zone arcade cabinet was one that always like attracted me. One because I really love the Twilight Zone, but it was always like cool. It was multi leveled. Yeah, and references to the. Uh, the, the the terror at twenty thousand foot feet foot feet episode, um, the Mars attacks cabinet. Remember, it had the screen on it. Yep. Do you remember that? I remember the Adams family one for some reason. I don't know why that sticks in my mind. It was the, it was the it was the movie based one, right? Might have been, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. That was pretty prevalent at, at Salem Willows. Like like I said, I agree with you with the pinball cabinets. They're, they really are works of art. I mean, even though it seems kind of like, what was the whole point? I mean, the only point of pinball is to score. Right. It's hand-eye coordination type stuff. 
which is still fun. And uh, but yeah, it was just the, it was always the same game, just the wrapping changed, and uh, and that's why they had to be so cool because they had to be appealing because you were essentially playing the same game no matter which one you played. Uh, the only thing that could really make them stand out and differentiate themselves was through cabinet design and licensing. So, you know, someone who really liked the Adams family, like apparently Brennan does, no, start like starting that rumor. Um, you know, would be more apt to spend the quarters there or, you know, at whichever machine. I feel like it's a, di a dying thing, though. I don't, I don't think kids are going out playing pinball machines. But pinball, you know, even when we were kids, I mean, that wasn't well, something kids. Well, did. I think just the home console has closed the gap so much. Um, it used to be that there was such a vast difference in quality between the Nintendo version of the game you played and the game in the arcade. Now there's virtually no difference between yeah. you know the game that you play and your Xbox One. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, with the well, pinball became <laughs> became its own like niche thing. So, with pinball, there's people that just love pinball now. That's it. That's yeah. what keeps it alive. And it's really just probably the same. I don't think they make very many more pinball cabinets, but like the old ones are just circling around in the the collector either somewhere, and like pinball halls are like a trendy thing. That's you know, that's a great idea. Start a pinball bar, just a bar where you can get drunk and just play tons of pinball. Yeah. But um, you know, but the arcade cabinets themselves, arcade games with actual, you know, CPUs in them and, and boards in them, it, that's dying. That's dying because of the, the consoles just catching up and in our society, moving further away from wanting to interact with each other in any personal way. But arcade games are still huge, like, in Japan. Japan arcades still have a huge following. It's such a part of the culture. Well, there's, there's really nothing like going and, unfortunately, in my experience, getting your ass completely destroyed time after time after time in a fighting game in an arcade. Um, going there and, and at its peak, or even... even more towards its infancy with the Street Fighter game, uh, Street Fighter 2, you would gain these crowds of people putting their quarters, lining their quarters up to quarter, get in the, the next game up. Um, along these cabinets. And it was just so cool. And it was the only way to test yourself against, you know, the different people in the area. Uh, there wasn't online gaming or anything like that. So a lot of these people, th this is how you would prove yourself. Um, unfortunately, I had not very much to prove. And therefore... <laughs> oh, you know, you had, everything, spent, you had everything to prove. Yeah, I had everything to prove. I uh, was unable to do it and therefore <laughs> lost a great deal of money. Street, yeah, Street Fighter 2. Any of the fighting games, especially the 2D fighting area like street fighter or fighting street or whatever that first game was pretty much a forgotten thing yeah. i don't even know if i ever came across it i mean my favorite arcade cabinets like they caught my eye i always like ghosts and goblins because mm. it just looked talk like, about impossible games yeah yeah especially the arcade version of that game i like i was a big fan of shinobi the yeah. original first shinobi um but as far as unique I, crossbow i was obsessed with crossbow when i was a little kid like, just the idea of, like... First off, the game played completely different than anything. You weren't supposed to really shoot at the main thing on the screen. You were supposed to protect them from what was going on around them. And that's an early that's an early game, too. It was ported to the Atari 2600 at some point. I mean, that's an early game for that kind of technology. It was really unique for its time. I mean, it must have been, what, the early 80s? That's when it was really yeah. conceived of. If you ever see the kinetic cabinets always look beat up and old. Centipede. It's an iconic logo right on the mm. top. But, but I mean, this, the fighting game thing, though, was a huge part of arcade culture in the, in the early 90s. Yeah. Really. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat is like the first time you ever saw a fatality. Yeah. 
<laughs> and everybody everybody lost their minds. Do you remember when it was announced that those were coming to consoles? It was like the biggest news. Mortal Kombat coming to Sega Genesis. A B A C A B B. You know, and every, Blood code. everybody went everybody went nuts. Everybody's parents went nuts because they thought, like, oh, my kids saw somebody get their spine ripped out on a video game, so they're going to run around the neighborhood ripping out other kids' spines. There's a lot of logic in that thinking. Yeah. But, um... And, and nowadays, things that were so appalling back then seem really tame. Oh, yeah. I mean, but the video game has evolved into this thing that's no longer just for children anymore, and everybody now has accepted it. With rating systems, it's like film. Or TV. Like, not everything's made for kids. When we were kids, we were still at least at the, the, the tail end of, oh, video games are just a kid thing. Yeah. You know, so that, that's that's why that changed. That's why it's, you don't hear as much about violent video games now, mm-hmm. except when, you know, somebody hauls off and shoots a bunch of people. But, you know, then it's like, oh, was he, was he into first-person shooters? But even that, that argument's trailed off. It's kind of gone away. But I mean, back to the arcade cabinets, I mean, Silent Scope was another unique... Like, think about a game where you had a sniper rifle hooked up to the game where the screen changed if you looked through the scope. That was later generation. Right. Which I didn't quite understand when I was younger, so that was very, very difficult uh, for me. I would just stare at it dumbfounded for a while and then walk away with my dollar still in the machine. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, but those, those games offered unique experiences beyond just playing a video game. I mean, even the cruising, cruising world, cruising exotica, uh, you're sitting in the chair and, you know, using the manual gear shift and. All of these things were, were things that couldn't easily be done at, or couldn't easily be replicated at home. Uh, so it's what was a big part of the draw of the arcade of the day, and and the cabinets really played played a lot into that. Well, I mean, there was that the Star Wars game that you could sit in and had the vector grows a TIE fighter game. Yeah. Uh, yeah do you yeah, remember yeah. this one? They, they still have it at the movie theater. Yeah. In the mall. And it has like the vector graphics, yeah. like those green vector graphics, but it feels like you're flying around in a yeah. TIE fighter. I mean, and that's, that's, that's early gen. That's, that's around crossbow time too. And that's mm. really early. I remember playing that in New Hampshire when I was like seven. It was like right across from like Lake Winnipesaukee. They had like a Salem Willows kind of setup, And I remember that's the first time I ever saw that. I mean, you had Paperboy where you had the bike handles yeah. as the controller. Just a lot of stuff like that. And like, it, it's sad that that kind of thing is going to probably go away. Like, that's going to be a thing of the past. I mean, it kind of already is. What's, do they even make new arcade cabinets anymore? Every, yeah. If you go into Salem Willows now, you're just going to see everything you saw when you were a kid. Yeah, you still see Ninja Turtles and the Simpsons game and well, those games maybe are... a new Street Fighter. That's probably about yeah, it. Yeah, they they just pump those out and throw them out there because I think they did make a Street Fighter Four cabinet. Mm. You know, like they, I remember, like you had those tabletop games too. You look down like Arkanoid, yeah, and Arkanoid Two: Revenge of Doe. Didn't you actually have one of those as a coffee table when you? We Arkanoid's... wanted to make it a coffee table, but it was too tall, so it became an end table in my apartment. Yeah, and Brad bought it. So, Brad, if you're listening, I'm talking about your game that you bought. <laughs> Which was very cool. It was, a, uh, I mean, not a great game, but uh, Arkanoid's Arkanoid. Uh, but it was it was a cool idea to have it be a piece of furniture in your, in your apartment. Always enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, and those games were really fun, man. Arcades, I, I kind of miss it. I'll admit it. Like I miss like the excitement of going to. I remember I miss I miss like playing Golden Axe at length. Oh yes, absolutely. Just dumping quarter after quarter, after quarter. It's actually one of the uh, one of the only games that I ever actually got through completion. Cost ten bucks. Yeah, like ten bucks. But me and and you on our birthday one one year we we just sat there and pumped yeah. quarters into Golden Axe and we we did it. Yeah, we just decided that no matter how much it cost us, we were just going to beat it. And um, We, we were real young, too. Yeah, we were only like seven or eight. 
Yeah. Just, it, I remember like how the game ended. Like it was two kids playing the game, and all of a sudden, like the game exploded, and all like the bad guys came out of it, chased them out of the arcade. <laughs> that was the ending sequence of Golden Axe. I don't know. I don't know if that got ported to the Genesis version. That ending. I think it just ends. Uh, no, uh, it definitely did not. But Golden Axe was a great game. That was another game you could play three. Like it had that multiple controller setup, which mm. you know anybody who's listening to this that's you know younger than you know five years younger than us doesn't remember a time when multi mu- multiplayer gaming involved somebody having to be next to you yeah especially next to you right in front of the same screen about two feet away yeah. you know oh man times times there are changing i guess yeah spe- speaking of that we can move on to our next subject <laughs> Which we're not going to spend too much time on because we all value our sanity. <laughs> uh, but we have the the Legend of Zelda, and it be, it's basically bizarre timeline between a link to the past, Ocarina of Time, the Great Sea, and the Wind Waker. It's almost impossible. To nail down an actual timeline, I I have even been flipping through the Hyrule Historia, which is an excellent book yes, if anybody uh, has a chance to, to get a hand on it. Um, it doesn't shed any light though. <laughs> yeah, no, it really doesn't do anything. If you have a hardcore belief in the Zelda timeline, the Hyrule Historia is not going to sway you in any way. Yeah, it's you know Seasons of Ages, Oracle of Ages. I really think there's just too many games, uh, and I'm probably going to get the nerd uproar of, you know, they're all running parallel and alternate universes and blah, blah, blah. But That's that's, that's the Episcopalian take on Hyrule. Well, it's, it's, all, it's all confused because it's not like they created the original Zelda thinking, oh, well, this is going to be, this is a prequel to whatever game we make in 10 years. It's, it's yeah, kind of, they just said, oh, well, we need a timeline now, so... Yeah, this is basically like, oh, now we need to figure it out. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't think of things like yeah. bra- branding that yeah. that name and, uh, and this being this massive franchise that's going to go on for endless periods of time. Basically, the one thing I wanted to hit on, and, and, and this has always bugged me, is that the second game, uh, The Adventures of Link, is supposed to be a direct sequel to The Legend of Zelda. Yes. But that doesn't really make sense to me. Because I have explored the entire world in The Legend of Zelda, and everybody that you find is usually old and relegated to, like, some cave somewhere or a labyrinth or something. So you're trying to tell me that all of these things happened, you reunited the Triforces, and all of a sudden everybody decided to come out of hiding and be like, hey... Let's build towns. And then they did. Like, I just don't... I don't understand. Yeah, it's, it's like... That should be, like, the postal, post-apocalyptic high rule completely. There is... Yeah, there is nothing more post-apocalyptic than the original Legend of Zelda. Uh, there's just no people. You bomb front doors. And then get blamed for it. You have to pay. <laughs> well, how, well if, if there's no people. Like, where was his lawyer? Wait, who was enforcing that you had to pay that guy? That moblin that got mad that he blew up his front door. He's not even a human, anyway. Is that what? There's a moblin back yeah. in that, yeah. Oh yeah, I definitely. If if the option had been there um, on one of the buttons, I would definitely have held out for a civil suit. Um, that was what the. the that was what the C button would have been used for. If the yeah. Civil suit. I'd be using that Ninja Gaiden a lot, too. Punitive, there'd be a lot of punitive damages for my young sanity with that game. Bringing it all back to that. But yeah, no, the, the Legend of Zelda timeline is, is, is nuts. And I agree with you. I actually think the darkest, the end of the darkest timeline or the, is, is the first game. Because you just have a bunch of people in hiding. Monsters rule the world incompetently. Because they can't even—they don't even have towns of their own. <laughs> mm. They just run around shooting arrows all willy-nilly, and everybody that walks by, a couple of fairies. No, they place. live in like an hourglass. I've seen the cartoon. Let's not kid ourselves. They live in a big 
glass jar. Oh yeah, the, the the cartoon. But the cartoon's not from the. It's probably more involved with the second game than the first. Yeah, probably. Because I mean, there's towns and people, and there was that white knight that was really lame that came about. Remember that guy, Ganon. Ganon was a wuss. Did he have the same voice as Cobra Commander and Starscream? Was was he another one? But Gan- was Ganon wasn't in the second Zelda, was he? He's not. He's only in the end screen when you die. Yeah. But he's not in because the last guy in um. It's Dark Link. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I don't know. The, the timeline of Hyrule, like, I mean, like the fundamentalist take, <laughs> puts it on what is it? The timeline splits at Ocarina of Time. Right. Yeah. It, and then you know, then you look at it and you're like, well, when does the Great Flood happen? And then I throw my hands in the air and I bang my head against the desk. It's like, it's like time traveling back to the future. It's like if Biff gets the almanac and brings it back to past Biff, how did future Biff ever exist to bring the almanac back to past Biff? Well, that's not only a back to the future problem, that's a traveling that's, in time problem. But that's the most, like, it's the most <laughs> evident paradox of, like, you know, the most yeah. prevalent one. And, um, and I mean, they try to, like, Robert Zemeckis explains it away with his, like, oh, there's a time ripple and it takes time for time to change. So you're saying there's, no, like, well, a timeline. It's a different timeline. timeline. It's a different timeline. That's how they explain it. Yeah, it splits. But it, no, because it, but it should be, I was saying it should change instantaneously so that Biff could never have existed to even get it to bring it back. Yeah, but you're, you're viewing it as if, as if time is, is one straight line. One straight line. Yeah, I am viewing it as if time is one straight line, which which is what the people that designed the Legend of Zelda game should have thought of back in 1985. And I don't know. I think we can solve this by... Just uh, going in the other room and playing Back to the Future on NES. And, uh, I, I don't think we should. I don't think anybody should ever. Solves anything. Back to the Future. There was the games were Back to the Future one and two as one game. No, it was two and three. Two and three were one game, yeah. and Back to the Future one was one game. Yep. And in Back to the Future one, there was a whole part of it where you had to walk up the 1950s streets to get bowling balls thrown at you yeah. for some reason, because that happened in the movie. I remember it's it. It's one of those. You don't stop walking games. Like the screen just keeps moving. I hate those games. Like that X Men port. Yes. Which didn't make any sense. The only guy to ever be was Nightcrawler because he could just kill everything on the screen yeah. all the time. I, I never I never quite understood that game. But before we devolve into hatred, <laughs> uh, I think this might be enough for us today. Yeah, I think so too. I think we, uh, we did good. So, you know, this again has been Adrian Negro, Brendan O'Shea, Jay Negro, and... Uh, we are the Vengeance Gamers, and we'll see you guys next time. Or at least, uh...